God, we love you, and uh, God, I'm excited this morning to dig into your word again, and to, to open it up and to, to see what you have to say to us. God, I just pray that you would, as I pray every week, that you would speak through me this week, that it wouldn't just be my human words that are speaking to, to these people, God, but your words speaking to your people on your day, God. This is all about you. We are here for you. We're here to worship you. We're here to hear from you, God. May we leave knowing that we have heard from the living God this morning, and may it leave us uh, challenged and changed and even encouraged this morning. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have, uh, we've been talking about Elisha for the last uh, two weeks. It's been a, a kind of a, a fun series as we've gone through just a couple of different stories from Elisha's life and talk about uh, what we can learn about our faith, even just looking at the story of Elisha. And in our first week, we talked, about, uh, we talked about burning some plows, as Elisha did uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, and and in, in that chapter, we basically just said that, that, that we need to, just because we don't understand what God is asking for us fully does not mean that we can't obey immediately, right? Elisha gets, gets this, uh, gets Elijah comes to Elisha and places his cloak on him and says, essentially, follow me. And in 1 Kings 19, uh, Elisha goes and says bye to his family and then burns his plows and cooks the meat of all the oxen that he's been using, feeds the city, and leaves, and leaves with Elijah. There's no plan B, right? And so uh, there's, this, is, this is the kind of faith that we can learn about in Elisha is, is not just because we don't understand fully doesn't mean we can't obey immediately. And, and with that being said, that, that this reminder that the people that God uses the most are, are the people that hold on to the least. The people that God uses the most are the people who God, that hold on to the least. And then last week, we went from, uh, from burning some plows and began talking about digging some ditches, right? And in 2 Kings chapter 3, we looked at the story of Elisha telling these three kings who are going to, to, to overtake the Moabites. And he says, dig some ditches and, and God will send the water. And so we talked about how our greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. Our greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. And we talked about believing big, believing the big things that God has given us, believing through faith that God is who he says he is, and he can do the things that he says he will do, but being willing to start small, being willing to take that first small step, and then another small step, and another small step. So today, we're going to move from from talking about burning plows and digging ditches uh, into another story. We're going to talk about going to grab some jars. In 2 Kings chapter 4, just one more chapter over from where we were, uh, and if you're using one of our pew Bibles on page 261, if you want to go there with me, 2 Kings chapter 4. And I would just say this, this, morning, this week as I've been thinking about this, if you, if you find yourself on, on empty this week, my prayer is that, you would, you would just, that God would speak to you this week, and that God would, would just fill you this week. So 2 Kings chapter 4 starting at verse 1 and 2, and then we'll stop there and just talk a little bit about that. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I want to stop right there and just provide us a little context of the story here. 
Right, the, notice we don't, we, there's no ID for the women here. There's no, there's no identification of this woman. Uh, Jewish tradition, though, tells us that this was, uh, as could have been, most likely Obadiah's wife. Uh, and uh, Obadiah's wife, it would make sense that they were a little low, uh, because uh, Obadiah was known for protecting and providing for a group of about 50 prophets. And so we understand that, that if, if this is true, but even if it's not true, you can imagine that the life of a prophet is not one in which that they get into for the money, right? They're not, they're not there to get wealthy. They're not there to, uh, to do anything and to make sure they have a secure future. They know their future is secure because their future is in the Lord. And so they go out and their job is to speak for the Lord and, and call people out of things and into the way of God. And so you can imagine that these, these, these people didn't live high on the horse, right? They're, they're not... Uh, they're not they're not wealthy. They're not anything like that. And so you can imagine this woman uh, who, is, who, who is really doesn't have any resources, right? And so we, we imagine this woman who's probably young, right? Her boys are young enough uh, to, to not be on their own. We know that because the creditor is coming to take the boys if she can't pay off her debts because the law then said if you have a debt and you can't pay it, your, your, young, your young boys and the young boys in your family will come and be slaves and they will work for your debt, so, and they would be released in the year of Jubilee, which is a great thing that we can talk about at some point. I love this concept of the year of Jubilee. But this is, this is the law, right? And so this woman who's, who's younger, she's probably, you know, older 20s, younger 30s with younger kids here. She's, she's now a widow. She's just lost her husband. And there's really no chance at meaningful work for her. Right, there's really only, only one, one job that, that women could do back then and make some money, and no women really wanted to do that job, if you know what I'm saying. So it was either that, or, or her boys were going to be taken away. She's in a devastating place right now, you can imagine. You can imagine this woman who, who, is, who, is, who knows that the creditors are, are on their way, essentially, to get her boys, and there's no way that she can pay off any of these debts. Right, you think about hope in this situation. Where is the hope in this situation? And I can tell you, this, this woman, I mean, you can imagine, you put yourself in her place. Is, do you have much hope in this situation? There's not much there. There's not much to, to look forward to. There's not much to do. And this is, no, this is no small problem. You know, sometimes I read stories in Scripture about these people that are going through problems and going through issues that, that only God can move in. Right? And I think about some of the things that we view as problems in our lives sometimes. Right, we get we get kind of upset when our when our when the GPS on our phones takes us to the wrong place, right? Or we get upset when the person at the restaurant gives us a diet soda instead of a regular soda, or the other way around, whichever one you like, right? We kind of have these 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 problems that really aren't. These are kind of like entry level problems, right? But this woman is not just having a, a small little problem. She's having a, a big, life-altering, devastating moment in her life, and she needs something to happen here. Have you been in that place where you're going through something, and you know the only way out is if God provides a way out? There's nothing that I can do that is going to help me out of this problem, right? And all of us have had some of these entry-level problems, but the reality is there's a lot of us in this place, some of us in this place who may be having one of these devastating, life-altering moments in our lives right now. 
And we find ourselves in a place where we're, we're empty inside or we just don't know how things are going to work out, whether it's financially or maritally or vocationally, right? And, and so I, I want to begin just with this thought this morning. And here's the thought I want to begin with. When life doesn't give you what you want, you'll realize that God is really all you need. I'm going to say that again. When life doesn't give you what you want, you'll realize that God is all you really need. Let's unpack this a little bit as we go forward. This woman is in need, right? She needs, she needs to pay off her debts. This is, the, this is the, the issue this woman is having. If she can find a way to pay off these creditors, to pay off these people that are going to come take her boys, and she can, she can keep her boys, right? And then she has another problem that... Well, what do I do for money now that I have my boys, right? How are we going to go on? And so she's in this need, and she expresses it to Elisha. She says, your servant, my husband, is dead, as you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And, and Elisha responds here. And, and I want to, I just as a side note, I think Elisha's response here is good even for us as we respond to people who in our lives may be coming to us for, for help or coming to us with issues. Here's Elisha's response. It's not, oh man, that death stinks. It's not, oh, I'll be thinking about you this week. No, it's, it's what can I do for you? How can I help you? What can I do for you, right? Yeah, this is, this is the thing that he asked. It's so important. What, if, we, if we want to make a difference in our, in our world, in our communities, in, in our families, in those that we hold close, I think we have to wake up every single morning and pray this prayer of availability. God, what do you want me to do today? And then we have to be open as people come and they come to us with, with issues or with things that are painful for them. It, it's not just, a, man, I'll be thinking about you. It's what can I do for you? How can I help you? Right, we are in this together. This is not something that I want you to feel alone in. This is, this, is, this is how Elisha responds here. I think it's a great way for us to respond. And then he says something else. Tell me, what do you have in your house? <clears throat> what do you have? And the woman responds, your servant has, has nothing there at all except a a small jar of olive oil. Your servant has nothing there at all. I think this is another one of those moments where I relate to this woman. Because when, when I'm going through some painful things, or when I'm going through a time where I just don't feel like I can do it anymore, I don't, I don't look at all the things that I do have. I don't look at all the ways in which God has blessed me. Right? If you were to ask me, hey, what, do you, what do you have? I'd be like, I have nothing. I have nothing right now. Right, this is sometimes our response when we're, when we're feeling down or when we're hurting, when we're lacking. We just, we're consumed by what we don't have. Right? We, I, just, I just don't have enough money to be able to be successful. Right? I don't have enough this to do this. I don't have enough this. And we just have this mindset of I don't have enough. I'll never have enough. I, I don't have this. I don't have this. What do you have? She says, I have nothing. I have nothing except this, this small jar. So the question I want to answer this morning is, is this question. What, what, do you, what do we do when we don't have much? And I'm not talking just in terms of, of money. What do we do when we don't have much inside? We just feel empty inside. What do we do when we don't have much? Here's the 
the first thing. I'm going to say just kind of two, two thoughts this morning. Here's the first thought. Is, is to stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. All right, this woman, I have nothing except a small jar of oil. A small jar of olive oil, more specifically. Why is this? Why is, uh, what's the deal with this olive oil? Olive oil was, was super important back then. It was really valuable back then. It wasn't just something to cook with. Olive oil did, did all kinds of stuff back then. Olive oil was something that... that <clears throat> Olive oil was something used for cooking, and it was something that could help your lamps burn. It was, a, it was used as a moisturizer, right? It was used to, to keep your leather soft. It was used as an offering to God. It was used as, for anointing people in, 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 in services and stuff. This is, olive oil was used for all kinds of different stuff. It was a very valuable thing, right? And, and it was valuable, but, but she only had a little bit. But aren't you thankful this morning that we have a God who can do some big things with just a little bit? Right? You look in all of Scripture and you read, you read things like in the New Testament, the feeding of the 5,000, right? There's, there's these, all these people, these thousands of people that are, that are coming to just hear the words of Jesus. And it's getting late in the day and the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, man, we should send these people home or else they're going to starve out here. And Jesus doesn't say, yeah, you should do that. You should go ahead and send them away. What does he say? He said, you, should, you, you feed them. Now, Jesus, this would take like a year's wages to be able to do this. I don't know what you're expecting us to do right now. And, well, what do you have? What is it that you have? Go find what you have. We have five loaves and two fishes. God take Jesus, the, the Son of God, takes what they have, blesses it, and feeds thousands of people. Right, we look at David in the Old Testament. David, who's a, who's a small kid at this point, goes, into the, goes to, to see his brothers who are fighting the Philistines. And he sees this giant Goliath out there just, just teasing and taunting the Israelites. And, and David, this little guy with just a, a little sack of stones and a slingshot, goes out into the war and he says, Hey, Goliath, you're not going to do this while I'm here. Who, who are you? To call, to, to say names to the God of Israel. Who are you? Today, this day, God will deliver you into my hands. Takes a rock out of his, out of his pouch, puts it in his slingshot, and, and kills Goliath. What do you have? It didn't take an army. It didn't take all these, these big giant things to overtake the Philistines. It took a rock and a slingshot and a little boy. What do you have? Right, this, is, this is all over Scripture. Jesus told parables about how only just a, a little bit of faith would go a long way. If you have the faith of just a mustard seed, you can move the mountains, Jesus says. What do you have? Well, I don't have much, God. Well, good thing, because God doesn't need much to do some really big things. God doesn't need much. I mean, you look in the Old Testament again, and and Moses is kind of worried about what he's going to do when he gets to the Pharaoh. How will, how will they know that I'm from you? And what's the question that God asks Moses? What's in your hand? It's a staff. Here's what I want you to do with that staff. And he goes on to just talk about the miracles that, that Moses would do to prove that he is from God, right? But these questions are, are what do you have? What's in your hand, Moses? Moses. 
David, I know I have a whole army at my disposal right now, but I want to prove it. I want to use you, a little boy with a rock and a slingshot, to take down Goliath right now. What do you have? What do you have, disciples? Well, we have a year's wages we could spend on all this food right now, but where do we get it and all this? No. No, what do you have? We have five loaves and two fish. Well, let's go. Man, this, 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 this woman here, Elisha asked this question, what do you have? I don't have anything. I, ha- I have nothing, she says, except this, this small jar of olive oil. I think sometimes we, we go through these situations and we feel like, man, I am not equipped in the least bit to deal with what God is calling me to deal with right now. I am not equipped in the least bit to be able to handle this situation. I don't have this. If I had this, I could do this. But I don't have that. I only have this. God says, that's all I need. Instead of just waiting for for what you want, start working with what you have. Start using what you have. And here's the, the second thing that I just want to talk quickly about is that when we offer God what we have, we can trust Him to give us what we need. When we offer God what we have, we can trust God to give us what we need. Let's read the rest of the story here. See what happens with this woman. Elisha said, after she says, I have this small jar of oil, olive oil, go, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man, and he said, Go Sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. And when we give God what we have, we can trust God to give us what we need. As long as there was an empty jar, the oil was flowing. As long as there was an empty jar, as long as her sons kept handing her an empty jar, the oil was flowing. Remember, she only had a little bit of oil, but as long as there was anything in there, the oil kept flowing. And she went and she told Elisha, she said, and he said, go and sell the oil. This is what we talked about last week. When we, when we show God our faith, he is faithful and will show us his faithfulness. Right, when, we, when we act in faith, God is faithful, and God will come through with what he desires for us. As we take small steps of faith, God is faithful. This is what happened. This woman goes. She does what the prophet says. She goes, and she gets as many jars as she can find, and she starts pouring the oil. And it wasn't until the last jar was full that the oil stopped pouring. When we give God what we have, he gives us what we need. When you stop waiting for what you want and instead you offer God what you have, God will do something. Elisha didn't say, he didn't put any qualifications on this thing. He didn't say, go get as many blue jars as you can. Go get as many large jars or small jars as you can. What was the only qualification for these jars? Go get as many empty jars as you can find. 
Go get as many empty jars, empty jars as you can find. Pastor Chris, how does this even apply to me? You're telling this story. This is a cool story, but how does this apply? How does this apply to me? Here's what I think this morning. This is a thought I had this morning. I think God's looking for some empty jars. I think God is looking for some empty jars. He's looking to, to, for people who are willing to, to empty themselves of their pride, to empty themselves of their, their own agendas, to empty themselves of, of, all this, of all this stuff inside, of our pride and our greed. And, and we come to God totally empty. What happens when we come to God totally empty? What happens is we are filled with God. The Holy Spirit comes in and fills us as we empty ourselves to God. Scripture says that we are jars of clay. As our jars are empty, we are filled with, with, with oil, which oil is and talked about in the New Testament all the time as the Holy Spirit. As we empty ourselves, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we realize that when we're filled with God, that God is enough. And that God satisfies our every need. That God may not give us everything that we want, but God makes sure that we have everything that we need. When we are filled with God, we come to understand that even though we might be weak, that God is strong. When we come to God and we're filled with God, even though we might be hurting, we know that God provides comfort. Even when we are lost, we know that God is our guide. Even though we might be hungry, we know that in God we have the bread of life. Even when we just feel unstable, we know that our God is the rock that will not move. God's looking for some empty jars this morning. This is the gospel. That we come to God and we give God everything that we are. Everything that we have. And we lay it at his feet. We say, I'm yours. You are my God. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you can do the things that you say you do. And because of that, who am I to hold on to anything? I lay it all at your feet. And when we empty ourselves, the greatest, the greatest uh, trade-off of all time is that when we give God all of ourselves, we in turn get all of God. God fills us with himself, and he empowers us through his Holy Spirit. This is the gospel. Some of us this morning are are dealing with some big stuff. Dealing with a lot of pain. Dealing with a lot of heartache. Dealing with a lot of just, some of us may not even know what it is right now. We're just dealing with it. But I can tell you this morning that God is all you need. That God already knows what's going on in your life. God, even if you can't, even if you can't describe, you couldn't, you couldn't tell someone what you're feeling inside because you, don't, you really don't know. You couldn't write it down on paper because you don't know how to describe it, but you're, you're going through some crazy stuff, and, and God already knows about it. When you lay that at his feet and you empty yourself of yourself and you say, God, I just want you. I just need you. I need to be filled by you. 
That God comes and God will fill you and God will, will empower you through his spirit. That when we stop waiting for just what we want to happen, God will give us what we need. The story of this woman who's got a big problem on her hand. Goes to Elisha and says, Elisha, this is, this is what's going on. I don't know what I can do. Elisha says, what do you have? I've got a small jar of olive oil. This week as we go, I want you to be thinking about this. What do you have? What do you have that God can use? What do you have that you might not even think is anything? You're saying, God, if I could just have this or this, I would be able to do so many big things for you. God, if I could just do this or I could do this, I would just be so much happier. I'd be able to to do more ministry. I'd be able to do all this stuff for you, God. And God just says, what do you have? What do you have this week? I want you to be thinking about that. And I just want you to, to consciously, every single day when you wake up, say, God, it's yours. God, my life is yours. I'm emptying myself of me, and all I want is to be filled with you. God, would you come, and would you lead me? Would you come, and would you lead me? Would you guide me today? I'm empty. And just like in this story, I know that I know that I know that God, when we empty ourselves out, will come and he will fill you so much with himself that you'll be empowered by his spirit, that you just, you will be, he will just be filled. And there's no better feeling in the world to know that you're filled with God and not yourself. What do you have? What do you have? Would you give it up this week? Would you let God fill you this week? Would you make a difference in your world, in your community, in your homes this week because you're being filled by God? That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. God, God, we love you. God, and this morning we just we just want to empty ourselves of ourselves, God. God, would each and every one of us would we would be able to answer this question? What do you have? As Elisha asked this woman in the, in the story, what do you have in your house? Well, I have nothing. God, help us to not just feel like we have nothing, but help us to, to know what we have and to be able to offer that back to you, God. God, and as we take this step of faith and we we empty ourselves and we give you all of ourselves. Would you be faithful and would you, would you fill us with you? Would we know that you are with us? Would we know that you are in us and working through us? And would we just know you, God? God, we love you. And we pray that this week as we go that you would, you would go ahead of us, that you'd be in our homes, in our workplaces, in our doctor's appointments, God, and everything that we have this week, would you be with us? 
that, we would, that you'd be in our conversations, that you'd be in the way that we interact with people, God, that, that people, when they look at us, would see you. And we make a difference in our world. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mary. We're going to do that after church, yeah. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you're standing, would we, uh, I just want to, I do want to say, I, uh, we're going to have some anointing after church this morning. I've had a couple people ask me already to be anointed after church, just at the altar. And so uh, if you want to stick around, you're more than welcome to stick around. If you'd like to, to go, you're more than welcome to go. Uh, just a couple minutes after service, we'll, we'll start some anointing at the altar here. So let me pray, just this prayer blessing over you. God, may the God of all hope and peace, joy and love, may he go with you this week. May he fill you this week. And may you know that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit this week. May it affect the way that you live your life. May you make a difference in your world. Go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.